0: Soul Podcast. I'm grateful you are tuning in today. I'm Shauna Hall, a self-love and mindset coach teaching you how to align your life through mindset shifts, spirituality, and manifestation. Each week, I'll be giving you tips designed to help you create a passionate, purposeful, high-vibe reality that you love. If you're ready to align your glow, you're in the right place. Let's get to it.
1: FAM, the fertility awareness method, the method I'm trained in is FAM, fertility education and medical management, Um, because not only can you use it to prevent pregnancy, get pregnant, um, but you can also use it to gauge overall hormonal health. So when we're talking about that alignment of your body, mind, soul, um, gauging that overall hormonal health can also really help you um, gauge where you're at in your life and what activities, what lifestyles am I doing that will maybe throw off my hormones or throw off my cycle.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Align Your Glow and Soul podcast. I'm your host Shauna, and I'm so excited for today's episode. I have Jordan Norman on the podcast today who is a FAM teacher and if that if you're not sure what that means F-A-M it is fertility awareness method. Jordan teaches women how to prevent pregnancy naturally and create a relationship with their mind, body, and spirit. She is all about reclaiming your inner wisdom through better understanding your body and what it does jordan is been teaching fan for several years now she is a yoga yoga instructor as well and has been practicing for over 13 years so she's based in colorado springs and is again really all about empowering women to have informed consent but also to truly understand how your body works So we're going to get into so many good subjects today. We're going to talk about not only the fertility awareness method and what the difference is between that and natural family planning. We're going to talk about cycle syncing. We're going to talk about how how alcohol can impact your cycle. And then just some really general awareness when it comes to our different phases and our cycles and all the other things that go along with that. So... As always, I really hope you enjoyed this episode and if you loved it or liked it or think somebody should hear it, you know, send it to a friend, give us a shout out on social media and let's continue to share the knowledge. Thanks so much and enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to the Align Your Glow and Soul podcast. Today's episode is going to be so freaking juicy. I've got Jordan on, and we are just going to talk all things women's women's health, FAM method, we might get into alcohol and what it does to your cycle. We're really going to be focused on just you and your body and all the things you really need to know to optimize your health and well-being. So, Jordan, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So my first question is, how do you align your glow and soul?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the fertility awareness method is really what I'm all about, but I got into that really through yoga. And so I've been practicing yoga for um, 12 years now, since 2010, I guess it's almost 2023, so almost 13 years. Um, so that really kind of jump started my alignment and really getting into my body, mind, soul. Um, so practiced yoga for about eight years, and then I became a yoga teacher my 200 hour and then my 300 hour training, um, practiced that for two years. And then I got into the fertility awareness method. Um, so we can talk about how I got into that as well, but really aligning your glow and soul for me is all about that mind, body, soul connection. And, and I really got into that first with yoga. Um, and then with fam down the line.
0: Mm, I love that. That's so, so beautiful. And I find that everybody kind of has a similar, um, take on that because it all just comes down to you and your um, mental well-being and you know just being in tune with your own desires so I love that you kind of totally. follow your passion yes so we'll just jump right into it so for those who have never heard of fam or maybe have heard a little whispering can you just break it down what is it and then what and why do you teach it Yeah,
1: totally. So FAM is the fertility awareness method. And
0: most people have heard of um,
1: natural family planning, actually. So natural family planning was kind of the first method of tracking your cycle and then using your cycle to either prevent pregnancy, um, increase your chances of getting pregnant. Um, etc. Um, it's really rooted in the Catholic Church, um, which is great for some people, Great for not great for some people. Um, and so I really like FAM, the fertility awareness method. The method I'm trained in is FEM, fertility education and medical management, um, because not only can you use it to prevent pregnancy, get pregnant, um, but you can also use it to gauge overall hormonal health. So when we're talking about that alignment of your body, mind, soul, um, gauging that over- overall hormonal health can also really help you um, gauge where you're at in your life and what activities, what lifestyles am I doing that will maybe throw off my hormones or throw off my cycle. Um, so that's really like, um, that's really why I like the method that I teach, but there's about eight methods of FAM. FAM is, yeah. FAM is kind of the overall overarching method, fertility awareness method. So there's, um, the Marquette method. There's a few other methods, but I teach FEM specifically, Um, But really how I got into it. So I was on different forms of hormonal birth control for just about 10 years, Um, started with the pill. And then I did the copper IUD, the hormonal IUD, the ring, the patch, all that, all that jazz. Um, And I was really never happy with any method. Um, I was never really happy. I would go back to my OBGYN and I would would tell them my symptoms and I wasn't happy. And they kind of just switched methods and said, well, find one that's great for you. And and it took 10 years before I finally said enough is enough. Um, but really, what happened was I um, actually got pregnant on the copper IUD, the Paragard. Um, and then the removal of the IUD, they didn't tell me I had an option to leave it in, which I found out later some women carry full term when they leave it in. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have an option. So I, I took it out. I listened to my doctor unknowingly, kind of blindly before doing my own research, um, caused me to miscarry. And so I thought, there must be a better way. There must be a method that's, um, effective, but even if it doesn't work, I could still keep the pregnancy. Um, and so I started talking to my yoga friends, a lot of my kind of yoga circle and they they introduced me to fam. Um, my good friend Leslie actually introduced me to it and she was using it more loosely, more intuitively, which is great. Um, but I was really in a point in my life where I wanted to prevent pregnancy, even though I would have been happy if that IUD baby turned out. Um, and so I wanted to know the facts. I'm also kind of a more logical, um, more numbers person. And so I wanted I wanted to know the facts. Um, there's a great book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility, which is where I started. I'll I start um, too. Love yeah, that. It's very thick. And so I got about halfway through and I was pretty overwhelmed. Um, yeah, it's so it's I found a lot. it. In, yeah, it's a lot. Um, so I found an instructor and I learned through them that way. Um, and the fertility awareness method is actually. Some methods say 99.6% effective. The method I teach says that it's as effective as the pill um, normally or 100% effective during times of infertility, um, during infertile times of your cycle, I should say. Um, so I loved that number of it. You know, I, I, I like the numbers. I like the facts. Um, so I learned with an instructor. I was practicing for myself for about a year and a half. Um, I was in a committed relationship at the time. So I was definitely using the method. Um, and then I became so passionate about it. I was geeking out about it to my friends that I thought I will become an instructor myself and I'll I'll teach other women the method. So very passionate about really what it did for me that I wanted to share that liberation with other women.
0: Oh my gosh. I just love everything you just said. So yeah, long answer talk- to
1: your question, but
0: <laughs> no, it's beautiful. And I love it. And I think um, what you're doing is beautiful because I think every woman should have informed consent, which, you know, you didn't have that when they pulled out the IUD, when you got the IUD, like nobody, even birth control, nobody talks about what are the potential reactions that can occur. And again, this is not with every single person that takes birth control, but you should know like the side effects that can occur and know like birth control in general, it's not actually the healthiest option. It's not going to optimize your health the way that we think it will. And I didn't know, you know, I had a similar story too. I took, the depot shot for two years, which, you know, stopped taking that because my mom luckily told me, she's like, you should stop taking that. That causes long-term bone density. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, I don't want that. Then hopped on the pill train as we all, I think a lot of us do. Um, mm-hmm. And I was very similar. So I took, I don't even know what it was. Nobody told me, right. I just took it. I just, you know, listened to my doctor because of course we want to trust these, you know, people who are supposed to be the experts in their field um I didn't like the high hormonal pill whatever I was on kept forgetting to take it which when you forget to take it really jacks you up mm-hmm. um and then we kept going back for like lower hormonal pills which still I wasn't as you you said yourself I was also like this is like I just don't like this then right. um I got the marina. oh when did I get that I don't know kind of like think three years four years because i remember i was getting toward the end where like you can only have it i think for four or five years and i was like okay what's next what do i want to do i kind of liked it because oh it's low hormonal like it's lower it's like the lowest hormonal option at least that's what i was told um mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i had a colleague who also was on it and she she removed it and i was like oh well why did you do that and she said And that's really what kind of triggered me to do my own research. And she said, you know, I've had increase in suicide ideation. I've had increase in migraines. I've had increase in depression. And so she said, after doing some research, you know, those are all adverse reactions. And so I took it out and I feel completely different now. And I thought to myself, wow, that's interesting. And I was very open to her information and curious. And so I started doing my own research and come to find out tens and thousands of women were saying the exact same thing. And I wondered too, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, why do I have all these migraines all of a sudden? And, and I wasn't dealing with some of the same reaction she had as far as like the suicide ideation, but I was like, well, that's not normal. I don't want to have an increase in migraines. These are not good. So I took it. I had right. it out and um haven't been on any sort of pill for like five years at all. And my boyfriend, which you know, so with him, he said he immediately noticed a difference in my personality it was quite interesting mm-hmm. uh, yeah and I just find it's it so crazy yeah right yeah so two
1: things I want to touch on there um the low bone density that you said um and then the suicidal ideation um I don't want to forget so I'm like let me call both of them out first <laughs> but uh the low bone density so I Well, first off, when I got off of the pill and started learning FAM, I was honestly so frustrated that I didn't know all of this about my body beforehand. Not necessarily the fertility awareness method, but that you couldn't get pregnant every day of the month. I Mm -hmm. thought that you could always get pregnant. Um, I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't even know my own reproductive system. I didn't even know the way that really pregnancy happens. Ovulation. I didn't know any of those things. So I was so frustrated. Um, But then frustrated with my doctor as well, because they didn't tell me a lot of these things. Um, I guess you could pin it on sex ed in our, our country or um, doctors or whatever it is. But I learned that ovulation is really the main event of your cycle. So I always thought that your period was menstruation was but really ovulation is the main event of your cycle. And ovulation is so great for so many things apart from just um, pregnancy apart from just your reproductive system. So that lone bone density um women who don't ovulate have a higher risk of osteoporosis. They don't tell you that when you get on the pill. They don't tell you that you're most likely not going to ovulate when you're on any form of hormonal birth control. Um so not only are you at risk for these higher side effects which they really downplay in my opinion, but you're also not getting the benefits of ovulation because hormonal birth control makes you think you're in menopause. It makes you think that you're in menopause, all your hormones shut down. Um, normally, your hormones kind of look like this. Um, you can't see for listeners, but they're kind of a, a chart. They they flow up and then they flow down. Um, but when you're on the pill or when you're going through menopause, it's kind of a strict line or it's less hormone fluctuation. Um, so I was frustrated that I didn't know I was missing out on this prevention of osteoporosis, missing out on um, benefits to blood vessels, benefits to my brain, benefits to all these things. I didn't know that I was also missing out on those. So it's, it's interesting. You mentioned bone density because that's a big thing with ovulation um, that's helpful for us women.
0: I did not know that either.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And there's benefits specifically to progesterone and estrogen outside of just your menstrual cycle too. So estrogen gives you that energy. um, Progesterone gives you that more. um, It's good for preventing anxiety actually. Um, And then both of course have Benefits for blood vessels, for your bones, for your brain, for your skin, um, all, all of these things. So without that, you, you're you also missing out on that. So,
0: Yes. And one thing I'm still learning, which, you know, enlighten us with this is that women's cycles are completely different from men's. Like we're in a 28-day cycle-ish. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And all of our hormones do this like really cool cycle between our brain and our uterus, our brain and our uterus, and then our body, right? Men are in a 24-hour cycle. So we're not mm-hmm. we are not the same. Um, I mean, we already know this, right? But like in how we function and how our moods and all that good stuff, we are not comparable. Um, and one thing you talking about is just progesterone and estrogen is you know, these hormones are really important in our general health. We need them. <laughs> they're they're mm-hmm. there for a reason. And um, one thing I'd love to Dive into is cycle thinking because I just find that also so freaking cool and fascinating. The fact that you know we have four cycle or we have four phases in our cycle, and each cycle or each sorry each phase is um a different hormonal um what's the right word hormonal phase, and in each week we could be experiencing you know tiredness or creativeness or you know whatever it may be. Um, and so you know for those who are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, are, what is cycle thinking? And what are all the four phases of, of our cycle?
1: Yeah, definitely. So when you talk about um, men's versus women's cycles first, um, so it's crazy to me and I'll touch on cycle syncing, but I was just thinking, so um, the eight to five work week or the eight to nine work week that we have. So that was created, um, I think in the early 1900s, maybe even sooner based on men, women didn't work at that time. It was based on men's hormones. They have those hormone fluctuations every 24 hours. Whereas women, it's every 28 or so days, a typical cycle um, can be 24 to 36 days, healthy range. It doesn't have to be 28 every month, Um, but our hormones do fluctuate throughout our cycles. And so there are different times of the month where we have more energy, less energy, Um, but we're still expected to perform at the same rate as men who are on 24-hour cycles. So it's interesting because when the work week was created, they weren't really thinking about women, and I don't know if they would have anyways, but... Um, There's actually some countries in the Middle East um, and in Asia that let women take off work during their periods and during menstruation when you have that lowest energy. It's really a time to reflect and renew. Um, I wish we had that, but we don't in the U.S. and in most countries. Um, But yeah, so this idea of cycle syncing is great. Um, It's harder said than done in today's modern world. But basically, high level, it's the idea of scheduling events. Um, to fit your cycle, scheduling events, scheduling exercise, different types of exercise. You can also eat for your cycle. Um, so our two main phases of, um, a woman's cycle is the follicular phase and the luteal phase. So the follicular phase, um, is the first half of your cycle. It kind of includes two phases. So your menstrual phase and then your preovulatory. Um, You ovulate, which could hypothetically be considered another phase as well. That's when you're talking about the four phases. Um, But your luteal phase is post-ovulation and then before you have your period as well. So your follicular phase is the phase that can change. It's more mutable. So when we talk about our period being late, Um, A lot of the times it's not our period that's actually late because your follicular phase can be delayed and impacted by a lot of things. So I didn't know this either before I I jumped into the fam stuff, but your follicular phase, if you travel, if you're on an antibiotic, if you switch time zones, if you drink alcohol, if you do any of these things, your first half of your phase can be impacted because your body's basically saying it's not safe to get pregnant right now. And so it delays your ovulatory phase um, until you're at a safer more homeostasis to, to get pregnant because the body wants to get pregnant. That's what we're innately programmed to do, you know? Um, but then your luteal phase, the second half of your phase is the exact same amount of days every single month. And so practicing the fertility awareness method is great because you can really pinpoint when you ovulate and then you don't get that anxiety of, is my period late? Why is my period late? Spending excess money on, Um, pregnancy tests you probably don't need because you can pinpoint when you ovulate and my luteal phase is 12 days every month so then you count 12 days after that and my period always comes Um, and so it's it's really cool to really sync with your cycle that way but as far as cycle syncing goes so um, typically you want to schedule higher um, energy activities around your ovulatory phase maybe a little bit earlier while that estrogen is peaking um, and then avoid, um, big events during your period, right before you start your period. Um, really that time to reflect, like I said, rest and reflect. Um, as far as exercise goes, um, yin yoga is great during your period, restorative yoga. Um, HIIT workouts or running can be great right before you ovulate, um, that pre-ovulatory phase um, hot yoga, any of that stuff. Um, and then before your period, again, kind of more rest, maybe walks. Um, but typically the ovulatory phase is those high, high impact workouts. And when you do high impact workouts during your period or right before your period, it can also throw off your body. It can throw off your hormones because your body's not, expecting that your body's expecting to rest your body is ready to rest but then you're hitting it with these high impact workouts and your hormones almost kind of have to counteract um so even just cycle syncing can be great for balancing your hormones and really working with your body instead of against it
0: oh that's so interesting because i run regularly and there are okay where I'll do the same run, right? Same amount, same distance, same pace, you know, Mm -hmm. feel great where I'm not sick. And some days I'm like, oh, I feel great, you know, normal. And then other days I'm like, oh my God, I'm like ready to die. And it was only four miles. Um, Right. Totally makes sense because it just depends on your hormonal level. Totally. And I remember
1: when I was in middle school, um, I would always want to get out of, of gym class because of my period because of cramping. And I remember the male gym teacher saying to me, no, you just have to work through it. And the more you work through it, the easier your cramps will get. And now, now I'm looking back and I'm like, no, that's actually not the case. If I were to rest during it, my cramps would probably get better that way, you know?
0: For so a crazy.
1: male to say that
0: to a yeah. female, that's a whole nother subject. <laughs>
1: I know that's a whole nother thing we could go into, but it's crazy. But the cycle syncing thing has also been helpful because like you're saying with the running, I was almost hard on myself when I didn't know my cycle and I didn't know it was easy to fluctuate energy levels. So I would, I would think to myself, why am I not performing certain days of the month and other days I just thought, I was either, uh, lacking on, cause I don't necessarily, um, run, but I'll, I'll do yoga, um, rock climbing, hiking, all of that skiing. And so I'll be like, why, why am I not performing well these days? Um, but other days I am, but now that I know my cycle, it almost gives me that, that reassurance that it's okay. Not to all days of the month. It's okay to rest. It's so hard in today's society to give yourself the permission to rest. Um, but it's so important and it, it's, given me the ability to give myself so much more grace as well
0: Mm, yes I love that because we are in this masculine society of and you said earlier you know that nine to five grind that nine to five work week which isn't Mm -hmm. really um compatible for everybody not just based on like women and women and men but also your energy you know all of us are either you know you're into human design. Everybody has different energies and channels, and um, you know, some people can go go go, some people do love the nine to five, right? They, it works for them. Some people can only do like four hours. That's sort of your projectors who need to rest and relax. But also, when you take that and then look at like your actual physical energy, right? Your natural energy you get from your home hormones. We're just not like women are not designed to fit into this masculine, um world of you know dominant like go 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 hustle 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 and grind 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 and again if that's your jam and that like makes you happy then go for it but if it doesn't it's okay there's nothing wrong with you right um right
1: yeah and then we're yeah and then we're criticized for not being able to easily fit into it Mm -hmm. and then you have women who kind of break themselves down to fit into it and then they get disconnected from their divine feminine as well so then it causes a whole bunch of different issues down the line that they're maybe not seeing um, so it's interesting too. I struggle with the kind of corporate women, woman kind of vibe. I, I struggle with that sometimes. Um, I think you know my day job is still so in corporate America, which is great. But the fam thing, and I'm a generator. I'm sure you have a podcast on Human Design as well. Um, so the the fam thing is really where I feel like I, like I'm able to thrive. So
0: mm, that's funny. I'm a generator yeah. too, and yes, I also work okay. in corporate, but I love it because I, you know. I won't get into it because I've already talked about another podcast, but definitely had like awakening a couple years ago, got very clear on if I'm going to work in the corporate world, what is it that I'm going to do and who am I going to work for? And right. so I'm totally. very passionate about my job and my company, but I also do not do your typical, Oh, I have to work 10 hours a day. Like I refuse. I'm sorry. I've done it for a long time. <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. Um, you know, I'm i right. am not, not 20. I don't need to prove myself to anybody anymore. I know my worth. I know my value and I know I can get shit done in a normal kind of six to eight hour day. Um, so totally. yeah, I do not like, I tell my team all the time, if you're off, you're off, don't text me. Don't call me. Don't like, we'll figure it out. And they know when I'm off, right. I'm off. And I really lead by example with that. Cause they, they're like, Oh, we really respect that. You're, you know, when you're off, you're off. I'm like, yeah. And I want you guys to be off too. There's just right. no need for us to sit here and try to please a company by, how many hours we work in a day or how many hours of overtime we, you know, accumulate. When in reality, I'm sorry, even my company, which I love my company, they don't give a fuck. Like they really don't. Like they're not gonna be like great job. You work 60 hours a week. Like, no. And if that's how you think, then you 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 gotta do a little inner work because that's not a way to live. Um you're gonna stress out. You're gonna and you said kinda a little earlier, you know, you're gonna impact your body and health in ways that are really gonna have long term effects. Totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. And I know we were talking about human design a little bit, um, not to go on a a big tangent, but um, so generators, it's big about kind of finding your passion and being able to flow with that a little bit more. And so it's funny, and this links into something else I want to touch on with fam. But when I was in school, I went to business school, I had a hard time in school. Um, And then I started doing this fam education and it was 10 weeks of actual curriculum and then um, clients or practice clients. And then an actual final exam, I thrived in that setting because it was something that actually lit my fire, you know? And so it was interesting to kind of see that contrast of, I thought school was really difficult for me. I thought I wasn't a school girl. um, But then this final setting for this subject was, was really great for me and really easy. And so it's funny how that, how that links as well, but tying that in, um, to something that'll make sense in a few seconds. So ADHD, (laughs) I know. So ADHD, I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was 25. Um, And so I I thought that always made sense with school, whatever. But I just read a study and we were talking about suicidal ideation a little earlier. Um, So I just read a study actually that hormonal birth control in young women with ADHD, it increases their risk for depression. And then it increases that risk of suicidal ideation. So when I got off of um, the hormonal IUD, Um, I got off of in the hormonal or not the hormonal IUD, the Paragard, the copper IUD, I went on the pill again for a few weeks didn't know what I was going to do whatever. Um, But I was on an antidepressant at the time. Um, And I had been on hormonal birth control for about 10 years, whatever. Um, I thought I needed the antidepressant. And some people do if you're on it, that's totally great for you if it if it feels good to you, but it didn't feel great for me. Um, but then I got pregnant. And so I had to get off of the hormonal IUD or the um, hormonal birth control that I was on. And then I also had to get off my antidepressant because you couldn't use it in the I think it was just the third trimester, but I wanted to get off of it as early as possible. Um, and it was so crazy, because I was scared to get off of the antidepressant. I thought, it was helping my mood everything etc but then when I got off of hormonal birth control as well I didn't have any of my depression anxiety symptoms and I know and it happened at the same time and so it was interesting to see that and and be like what's going on here mm-hmm. I got off of both of them I was great because I I tried to get off of my antidepressant so many other times in the past while still on birth control and I felt so dysregulated but then when I got off both of them at the same time, I felt great. And I almost felt like I didn't know who I was, like you were talking earlier with your boyfriend, um, because not only was I not, I was a different person off of hormonal birth control I was, but then also I wasn't having these anxiety symptoms that I thought were me for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard so many women have increased anxiety. There are studies out there of increased anxiety on the pill, um, suicidal ideation, depression, all of those things. Um, but they're still so downplayed by gynecologists. And I just wonder why, if there's so many people who speak out about it.
0: It's, oh, it's, it's crazy. Cause there's other side effects too. You know, um, I think we were talking, you know, a couple weeks ago about the business of birth control, which is a new, yeah. if you are listening and you have not watched this, I believe. So it was free when I first launched, I think they're probably charging now, but I promise you it is worth it. Like if you are open and curious please please watch this. It is just a beautiful, um, beautiful documentary, very well put together. But one of the things they talk about is, um, what was that birth control that causes um, pulmonary embolisms in the lungs? Um, I think that was The Ring. Yes, The Ring. Mm-hmm. Which I was on at one point. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. So in the in the documentary, yeah. um, I won't, actually, I don't want to ruin it. Go watch it. But um, in the documentary, it talks about um, you know, adverse reactions, and it was phenomenal to hear some of these stats, you know. Um, I think they said, ugh, and I'm, I don't want to misspeak, so I won't say the exact numbers because so I don't know them off the top of my head, but basically the amount, the the, the increase you have the a chance of getting um, pulmonary embolisms because of the ring is so high. It's actually higher than the Johnson Johnson COVID vaccine, and they pulled that off the market, right, because they recognized that it was causing similar things. And to I didn't a, know they pulled
1: that off the market.
0: They did uh, when wow. it came out a couple of years ago for that reason. Um, so, okay. and the, the, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine was actually, you had a less opportunity than getting um, an embolism than the ring, which is wild to me. So they continue to market the ring. They continue to allow it on the market, knowing that the research showed, you know, whatever percentage it was, it was, you know, it's a very insane high amount. Um, so, you know, I just think it's really important, you know, before you take birth control, I mean really anything, educate yourself. Um, you know, get mm-hmm. informed consent, understand. And if you still decide that's the right decision for you, then great. But it's it's all about you empowering yourself to fully understand, you know, what are the pros, what are the cons. And I wish, you know, and I I'm, you know, I, I didn't know this back then, but you know, as women, we need to you really just need to own your health. And understand, like, nobody's gonna look out for you, right? Nobody's gonna, um, I wish they did. I really do wish healthcare providers did. And some do. um, But most of them, they're just, unfortunately, they're too busy, right? We don't have a healthcare system designed where people can spend hours and hours with you talking about all the things because of insurance. Um, And and it's it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it's structured. And so, you really have to be the one to come prepared to talk about things, um, you know, do your own research, like stay true to what you want to know, um, you know, argue if you need to argue, um, lean into that intuition of like, well, this doesn't feel right. You know, why am I feeling like this, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what your healthcare provider says? And if they're not willing to totally. listen to or help you make decisions with informed consent, then they're probably not the right person for you to be partnering with. Totally.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who ask so many questions to my doctors. They probably get annoyed with me after a while, but I'm one of those people who wants to know the facts and I <laughs> want to know the percentages and I want to know everything. I had a great kind of jo- gynecologist for a while who was really great with that. And she left her practice and I was so sad. But um, when I was calling for a new appointment just today, actually, I'm like, I need someone who's okay with those questions because I need those questions answered. Um, so you can advocate for yourself, is my point. Mm-hmm. I've had a few yeah. clients too who have said they want to get their IUDs out, they want to get off the pill, but their doctor won't let them until they want to get pregnant. Um, and I'm wow. like, you, the, the doctor works for you. You don't work for the doctor, you know? Like, you need to advocate for yourself. If something isn't working for you, mm-hmm. you need to get that IUD out. You need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm big on informed consent, too. And sometimes it takes a lot of time. Sometimes it's frustrating, you know? But at the end of the day, it's your body, it's your health, and it's worth it.
0: There's a stat and my partner tells me this all the time. And I, I like, he makes me mad when he says it, but it's true. He says, and, um, again, I'm not going to say the exact statistics that I don't want to misspeak about this study. He's like, but basically people who are argumentative actually more successful, <laughs> they get mm-hmm. what they want. Um, so if you look at like men versus women, and I'll just make this kind of a simple example. So for a very long time, men were typically paid higher, right. Than women. Those numbers mm-hmm. are, are slowly evening, evening out. But if you look at men, they have no problem asking for what they want, you know? And Mm -hmm. sometimes we refer to those type of men as like cocky or, you know, assholes or whatever. And it's like, well, no, they're just asking for what they want and they're not going to settle. And so I think as women, we need to embrace that (laughs) mindset sometimes and just ask the questions.
1: Totally. Yeah. And that's a big lesson I've had this year, actually. Um, And it's always scarier than it seems to ask for what you want. A lot of the times, or at least in my experience, I've gotten yeses and it hasn't been this huge argument that I've made up in my head. Um, So the more you do it too, the easier it gets. And you're you're obviously going to be met with declines or be met with no sometimes. But obviously, the worst answer you can get is no. And a lot of the times that won't be the answer. And so my point is it's easier sometimes than you make it out to be in your head um
0: mm-hmm. yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh it's so funny um yeah I think we just care right we, we care what people think we want to be like sometimes we're people pleasers and it's like okay well what's best for you you know nobody's totally. gonna look out for you other than yourself so just you know just ask and totally
1: it's a no it's a no no big deal life goes on definitely Yeah. Another documentary I did want to mention. Um, so the business of birth control is amazing. Um, but it's called the bleeding edge on Netflix. Um, it's not all, it's great. It's not all on birth control. Um, some of it is hip replacements. Um, but one of the products they mentioned is a birth control device that has been pulled from the market. Um, but basically it's about the FDA approval process or kind of the lack thereof. Um, and, and that's another great one. I found it fascinating. So.
0: I will absolutely check that out. I love anything that just, you know, opens up totally, you know, my realm of things I don't know, because there's a lot of things I don't know. So (laughs) definitely (laughs) ever learning. There's so much out there. Yes. So kind of backtracking a little bit about cycles and alcohol, um, you, we, you know, when we talked a couple weeks ago, you had talked about how, you know, you had, really stopped drinking and then, you know, just integrated, you know, a couple glasses of wine, not a lot of alcohol and that really impacted your cycle. So um, tell me more like your thoughts on what alcohol does to our our hormones and our cycles.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely. So I um, didn't drink for three and a half years. And um, if you're some of my family or friends listening to this podcast, you might not know, which is fine. Um, (laughs) But I've, I've had a few glasses of wine here and there over the last probably six months now. Um, and it's interesting of how it relates to my cycle. So I mentioned earlier, drinking, flying, antibiotics, everything can kind of impact your cycle. And the whole idea of it is your body doesn't think um, it's safe right now to have a pregnancy. Um, but I was so shocked at one glass of wine and I didn't ovulate this whole month that I had one glass of wine. It actually happened two months in a row. Um, and I, and I didn't ovulate at all. And so, um, alcohol can be an anti-estrogen, and estrogen is your peak hormone when you ovulate, um, along with LH and FSH. But estrogen is primarily the main hormone, and so with drinking, it's an anti-estrogen. Um, there's so many other problems with drinking um, that I kind of want to go into a tangent too, but I don't know um, if I want to. But <laughs> it's, it's a carcinogen. It's a class one carcinogen. Um, so it's really not great for your body, anyways. So not only is it an anti estrogen but also it's a carcinogen it's not great for your bone health it's not great for your brain um all of these things and so i'm not surprised i guess that i didn't ovulate the months that i had one glass of wine but i'm i, I am surprised at the same time because you know you think one glass it's not a big deal societal wise mm-hmm. it's it's not a big deal societal wise um but when it comes to your your health and your hormones i'm so grateful that i track my cycle because I'm not able, or I'm not only able to use intuitive knowledge as to what's best for me, but I I have hard data of of my chart and my cycle and seeing what does impact my fertility. Um, and even though I'm not trying for a baby right now, my fertility is so important to me, and it is that life force energy, and it's beneficial for so many things in your body. So I'm able to now see those lifestyle changes and how it affects my cycle and make different decisions and probably won't continue having just one glass of wine because for me it's not it's not important. I like myself sober. Um, but but it was cool to see that impact on my chart, definitely. So
0: how can you tell or how, how were you able to tell uh that you that you your ovulation just wasn't there?
1: Yeah, so I mean, hypothetically, it it could have been from something else, not just the glass of wine, but uh, addressing or analyzing my lifestyle choices during that month, there really wasn't anything else there. So I wasn't traveling, I wasn't sick, I wasn't doing any of those things that could have impacted it as well. Um, but basically when you track your cycle, very high level, um, you track a few biomarkers of fertility. The main biomarker you track is cervical mucus. Um, it sounds really daunting, but it's just, um, picking up the toilet paper every time you pee and seeing if there's anything there. Um, there's different qualities of different estrogenic mucus and, and non-fertile mucus. Um, but basically you track your cervical mucus. It, um, is apparent during your ovulatory phase. Um, In my method, you only have to use cervical mucus to learn. Um, But I also like to incorporate basal body temperature, um, which is in Taking Charge of Your Fertility, that book we talked about. Um, I like that secondary biomarker because tracking cervical mucus, estrogen, um, estrogenic mucus um, is apparent when estrogen is rising and high. But it really doesn't confirm that you ovulated or not. I like basal body temperature as a secondary biomarker because it can confirm if you ovulate, but it can't predict that you're about to ovulate. Um, So basically when your estrogen rises and then progesterone is the remaining hormone for the remaining of your cycle, um, progesterone keeps that temperature high for the remaining of your cycle. So when you look at your chart, it's low temps and then you ovulate it spikes and then it stays high for your luteal phase. And so those months I still had estrogenic mucus. And if I was just tracking cervical mucus, I might have thought I ovulated, but because I was also tracking basal body temperature, um, my temperature didn't spike and my temperature didn't stay risen during my luteal phase, um, which is required to
0: confirm ovulation. Okay. Very interesting. I'm trying to track temperature and I find it really hard to, you know, like, cause my thermometer beeps and so I'm like, I don't want to wake up my partner or the dog and so I'm like, okay. right? <laughs> but- yeah. And tracking
1: temperature can be difficult um, because you have to wake up at the same time every day. You have to have at least four hours of an un- un- uninterrupted sleep and you have to temp at the same time every day. But um, I mm-hmm. actually use temp drop, which is a device that's non-EMF that you wear all night. Uh-huh. Um, and it, yeah. So you don't have to follow any of those rules. If you use temp drop, it kind of bypasses all those rules. Um, and I also have a, an affiliate code of 10% off. So I'll, I'll plug that. If you go to my Instagram, yes. profile, you can, you can get 10% off. Um, but I, I use that. So that's an easier way to track BBT.
0: I freaking love that. See, I did not know that. And I like, yeah, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna be great. I'm gonna track my temperature, but yeah, like I did it once. And then, you know, I don't wake up. I mean, sometimes I wake up at the same time, but I definitely don't wake up at the same time on the weekends and you know, you have to do it before you move, before you get a bed. So there's just too many parameters for me to be able to commit it's to It's difficult. <laughs> totally.
1: And that's why I have a problem with a lot of the uh, femtech things on the market. So there's a few different ones. I probably shouldn't name them, but a few different, it's called femtech, the so feminine technology and their thermometers and they're supposed to tell you they have an app and it's green or red if you're fertile, not fertile. And they tell you when you're allowed to have unprotected sex. But like I just mentioned, Temperature can't predict fertility. It can't predict ovulation. It can only confirm it. Um, and so I think those thermometers aren't using informed consent, first and foremost. They're not educating their clients on what's going on. Um, and I think they're vastly inaccurate. So it's interesting um, to, to now learn the instructions and do it on my own versus seeing those those things marketed online. And they have the celebrity ads and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, but you're misleading so many women out there. So Oh
0: my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, okay. Oh my goodness. So much information. So I think the last thing I would love to pick your brain on is your kind of dietary story. You know, you were a vegan for a long time and then you've recently, well, I don't know how recently, but you know, transitioned over to, um, are you eating all meat or are you doing pescarian or what's your current like
1: all meat um i i'm not a carnivore by any means um i know they have that carnivore diet that's all all the rage right now so i'm not a carnivore by any means but i am eating all meats
0: mm, okay yeah. so yeah so tell me cuz i you know i've been a vegetarian for 22 years um i try to do ve- like a vegan diet when i can but um it's also cuz i'm lactose intolerant and kind okay. of confirmed that recently with some food sensitivity tests so um yeah tell me you know what made you kind of switch over from being a vegan and and you know, I'm sure there's some health stuff that really right. made you transition.
1: <laughs> yeah. So actually I'm lactose intolerant too. So that's kind of how it started. Um, kind of. So I guess we'll start in middle school. I found out I was lactose intolerant. Um did the whole thing where I kept eating it for probably 10 years because I didn't want to be lactose intolerant. You're all right there with um, you. I'm like, every time I get the cheese, yeah. I'm like, no, I regret I this. I know, right. right? Oh, cheese is so good. Um, but it progressively got worse. And so then I was in my twenties and it was really terrible. Um, but then actually I, I gained a lot of weight in college. Um, and I'm all about body positivity. So my main thing was I couldn't do the things that brought me joy. I couldn't ski like I like to. I couldn't hike like I like to. I was very, I was also very much eating my emotions. Um, and so I went vegan originally for kind of weight loss for kind of overall health. I watched a lot of the anim- animal documentaries, the health documentaries. Um, So I had just graduated college when I originally went vegan. Um, And I lost um, a good amount of weight in six months. I was feeling great. Um, But mind you, I wasn't, it wasn't that I was just eating meat. I was also eating the standard American diet, the Taco Bell, the processed foods, all of that jazz. So had I just changed my diet to be healthier and ate meat, that probably also would have happened. But besides the point, I went full vegan um, and lost a lot of weight in six months. Um, Felt great for about two years. Um, I did a a food sensitivity test again. Um, Lactose intolerance was still there. But then I also found out that I was gluten intolerant. Um, one doctor actually told me I had celiac. One doctor told me I did not. So I kind of live my, my life like I do just to be safe. Um, but, but basically, I was feeling great for two years. So I'm kind of backtracking now. I was feeling great for a while. Um, and then I wasn't all of a sudden. Um, so originally, I got diagnosed with low blood sugar. Um so i started eating more more beans more grains um more spinach kind of all those things that you can gain protein with as a vegan um but came with that was a lot of the meat substitute so i started eating more seitan i started eating more of those things and all of those are made from gluten um so that's actually how i came to do the food sensitivity test because i was feeling terrible i had the achy joints i had the migraines i had the bloating i had low energy all of that. Um so then when I found out one I got low blood sugar from being vegan. Two I'm gluten intolerant um and a lot of the, the vegan substitutes are gluten. Um, it was very difficult. I think I was vegan for another year after that. It was very difficult. Um, and I like to travel. I like to go skiing in these little restaurants in the middle of nowhere all I could eat was a salad and tomatoes. You know, I didn't have, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have sustainable options to keep my body healthy. Um, and so that kind of started it. I kind of started eating a little more meat when I didn't have any other option. I thought I'd rather eat meat and have something sustainable for myself than eat this tiny salad that I am avoiding my allergies with. Um, so that's how it really started. Um, and I remember Taking like my first bite of meat, and I felt like my body was just like rebooting. I felt like I could think clearly I had energy. I slept well for the first time in months. Um, but I didn't really connect the two for a while. Um, and then it was my boyfriend's birthday at the time. Um, and he got like this Wagyu steak and I was looking at it and I'm like, that looks delicious. And so I have a bite of that. And the same thing happened. I just felt like I had all this energy. My brain was clear. And so that's when I made the connection. Okay. This has happened twice now. Um, but I was so scared to start eating meat full time again because of my um, yoga background, because of that whole, um, it's called ahimsa, nonviolence. And so they relate to that to animals, Um, A lot of my friends were vegan, Um, so I was scared for a little bit. I I honestly started eating meat for a little bit without telling anyone. I just did it at home because I didn't want to be judged, Um, but I felt so much better, and so I consistently have been eating meat again now for about a year and a half. Um, I wouldn't say I necessarily eat meat every meal, um, but I definitely do more meals than not, and I feel so much better. Um, So then I started doing my research after I got another fertility awareness method um, for what it does to your cycles. Um, and there are studies out there that say 85% of women who are vegan do not menstruate or ovulate properly. Um, and that's Mm -hmm. a huge number. Um, so yeah. So what happens is, um, when you have to get protein as a vegan, it's your beans, it's your grains, it's all those things. And those are phytoestrogens, P H Y T O estrogens. Um, so basically they're anti-estrogenic and so they lower your estrogen levels. You need estrogen to ovulate. Um, and then when you have low um, estrogen, it can throw off your progesterone too, kind of that yin and yang duality relationship. Um, and so that made sense. And then when you don't ovulate as well, you don't have energy. Um, and I didn't have energy. Um, there's a lot of great books out there. One is called a vegetarian myth that really outlines a lot of it. Um, another piece of me switching back to eating meat was animal rights. Um, and there's a lot of interesting research out there that says being vegan isn't necessarily about killing less lie or yeah killing less lives it's about which lives do you kill so I mean that sounds pretty extreme but when you do the almond farms the bean farms all of those things you're really wiping out so many um, fields which kill mice which kill birds kill the bird habitats the hawk habitats um, even the, the caterpillars and the little ones and I mean, they are smaller animals than cows, um, but you're killing a higher rate of individuals, individuals, animals. It's just a different species. So I found that interesting as well, um, because obviously I I didn't like thinking that I was eating animals again after being vegan for so long. Um, But there's a lot of interesting stuff out there about that symbiotic relationship as well. So Mm. two things, health and animal rights. But that's kind of my story in a nutshell with it
0: that's yeah interesting I um that's so funny you say you talk about kind of the flip side of like why vegans don't eat meat and then well actually you know here's another piece um right. I follow this um this I don't know I think she's like a health coach and she talks about a very similar story um she you know she's pretty blunt in what she speaks upon but she had said you know you know vegans are not you're not saving any animals actually you're killing more um right like, you can say it as elegantly as you did. And I messaged her and I was like, huh, you know, I'm just curious. It's interesting, you know, have you ever, have you read the Great China Study? Which if you've not read that, that's a, another really thick, like crazy, I haven't even finished it because it's so big, but it talks about okay. um, long-term study, this guy who grew up on a dairy farm um, and then did, he became a scientist and did all these like 10, 20, 30 year studies about not eating meat, really positive outcomes. And so, um, you know, if you're looking to, not eat meat. it's It's a great book, so I referenced that, and she didn't like really comment on it, but you know she had she talks about protein intake and how it is so yeah. crucial for specifically women too to have you know you need to have a high protein intake at least half your body weight or is it half your body weight I think minimum, yeah, like minimum half half your body weight per day um sometimes more, depending on you know are you trying to um lose weight are you trying to gain muscle, you need to increase that. Also, not all the protein you eat actually gets absorbed. So you can only have so much per um, meal. So there's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. And she talks about, you know, like you have to have protein. And a lot of the synthetic proteins, as you mentioned, are not good for you. Um, And this is something Mm -hmm. I'm also going down a rabbit hole on is all the fake meats. They're Mm -hmm. actually really, in reality, a lot of them are poison. Um, I'm just going to say it (laughs) because they are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I won't shout out any specific brands, but I encourage you again, like I have not eaten meat for a long time and, you know, I'm, I've been a vegetarian for so long. Fake meats just recently came out. It didn't exist when I first stopped eating meat. And when they came out, I was super excited. I was like, oh, this is so great. I'm so excited. Right. Like a great protein intake. Most of these brands are making product that has fillers such as cellulose. Um, some of them have the same ingredients that Roundup has. So, you know, do your research. Um, have mm-hmm. informed consent when it comes to the foods that you're consuming, but right. you know, ultimately, you know, we really need to, and, and I'm kind of going down a similar, um, thinking about a similar switch to kind of, you know, your own story because you know, I want to be as healthy as I can possibly be. And yes, I have, mm-hmm. you know, my morals. I don't want to, you know, harm animals if I don't have to, but ultimately, you know, I want to be around for a long time. You know, I don't want to be in a nursing home when I'm 65 and break a hip or have to rely on individuals to take care of me. Um, so, you know, I just encourage you, you know, if you've, you know, not felt great, um, whether that's having GI issues or allergies, like just look, you know, just like take a bigger picture about what are you eating? Where is it coming from? What impacts it have? Because um, it's totally so funny. You said the gluten intolerance. Yeah, I just did a food sensitivity test and it said rye and wheat, which mm-hmm. I always wondered because, you know, I would primarily eat, gluten and cheese What <laughs> <Yes>. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> two combinations are bad are the best um and i always feel like shit afterward and I, I thought it was just the dairy and then i took this test and i was like "Ooh." and then i saw an acupuncturist yesterday um and she was like what's your what's your blood type i'm like oh it's o positive positive." and she's like so i hate to break this to you she's like but you're not meant to eat dairy and gluten oh i didn't know that with o positive okay Yeah, so she's a doctor of acupuncture, and I find like she's been doing her work for like ten plus years. And I and she's like, you know, um, Western philosophy doesn't, you know, we don't focus on blood, we don't focus, you know, we just don't, right? She's Mm -hmm. like, in in Eastern philosophy, that's you know, we're looking at like your blood is everything. It's basically like we talk about Western philosophy, like your body is made of water, which it is, right? It is water, but also blood. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. um, she's like, yeah, you're not meant to eat those things. Um, and I was like, that is so freaking interesting. So I'm gonna actually cut out. I will try. It's probably gonna take me a while. I'm going to do a um, elimination and kind of waiting for a little bit to see if I feel better. Cause you know,
1: yeah. it's not great. It's difficult. Still... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, so you touched on food diary. So I would say too, just everyone, everyone listening, everyone, and it really everyone <laughs> um, should really intuitively look at how they're feeling and maybe keep a food diary and and do it that way. Because there's so many studies out there. One study could tell you to eat one thing. One study mm-hmm. could tell you to eat another thing. And it's really how do I feel in my body? Because some some people do do great on a vegan diet. And that's great. Um, some people do better. I mean, I've heard people feeling great on carnivore diets. That's not for me, you know, so really taking that intuitive knowledge and what works for me might not work for other people. And that's okay, you know,
0: Absolutely. Yes. And sometimes
1: I, all the studies yeah. can get so overwhelming. But... <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: There's so, I mean, there's so much information out there. Like the China study that I mentioned, right? Like that's putting non-meat eating in a very like illuminating light. And mm-hmm. if it's not, if you don't feel good, then don't do it, you know, do what feels good to yeah. you. Um. So yeah. yes. Love I also that.
1: need to look into that though. I'm also very much read both sides and mm-hmm. then take that intuitive account yourself. So I might still read that.
0: That sounds interesting. It's a good, it's really good. It's just, it's, it's basically the same thickness as taking charge of fertility. And so. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. It's a long one. (laughs) Yeah. That's good to know. Informative. I would not recommend it in the audible version just because it's not, you know, studies aren't always the most interesting things to read, but. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. Cool. Awesome. So, um jordan thank you oh my gosh so much i think we just went over i mean so much so much information so um know. Oh i feel like i
1: could talk for like an hour more too i'm like yes. but i
0: have this and this and this <laughs> oh. well if people want to connect with you want to you know maybe take one of your programs or a course or work with you one-on-one what are what do you got going on and how can people find you yeah,
1: definitely. Um so I'm under Ivy Wild Wellness LLC. Um my website is ivywildwellness.com and then my Instagram is ivywildwomen. Um, Ivy Wild Wellness wasn't available on Instagram. <laughs> so Instagram, yeah. Instagram is Ivy Wild Women. Um, I host workshops. Um, right now I have a group workshop that will really teach you everything you need to know to use the fertility awareness method to prevent pregnancy, um, increase chances of getting pregnant, gauge hormonal health. We'll also talk touch on um cycle sinking, herbalism, um, and diet. Um, uh, uh, Amongst a lot more. But that launches January twenty fourth of this year. Um, it's a three-month program. Um, so I have that going on. I take clients one-on-one. Um, I do yoga to take into account your cycle specifically as well. So you can look for me with that. Um, but yes, Ivy Wild Women on
0: Instagram, ivywildwellness.com. Love it. And all those will be in the show notes. So I like to make things simple. Just scroll down, you can find her and connect right away. And I'll post a direct link to that course that's something you're interested in. I would say if you've never learned about spam, any kind of fertility awareness, um, knowledge you've never taken a course, you've never read a book, but you're like, oh, I'm ready. Like, I want to learn more. Um, definitely encourage you to join this group program. It sounds like it's going to be very educational and enlightening. Um, and where do you like to show up the most right now? Are you uh, Instagram, Facebook, website, email? Where can people really kind of see your content?
1: Yeah, I'd say definitely Instagram. That's kind of more my jam. Um, I do have a Facebook that links all of my Instagram posts. So if you're more on Facebook, um, it's Ivy Wild Women on Facebook as well. But really okay. Instagram. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Well, again, thank you so much. Appreciate all your time and your knowledge. And again, yeah, we could, you know, we might do a part two in the future because I just love all this content. Um, And if you're local yes. in Colorado, um, Jordan's in... Colorado Springs. So you can find her in person. Um, but obviously if you're not, it's okay. We love virtual options now. So
1: go free. Yes. And that, that group program will be online. So you don't have to be in the Springs for that.
0: Boom,
1: easy. <laughs> great. Awesome. Thank you so much,
0: Shawna. This has been great. Thank you. And everybody who's listening, tag us if you enjoyed this or you learned something. Um, again, knowledge is power. So, you know, feel free to, again, just take a, mo- a moment of your day, take a screenshot, tag us um, because, you know, we're all here to really cause that ripple effect and um, we want people to have, have the info. So thank you for listening and have a beautiful day.